episode of the Art vs. Commerce podcast, presented by Masters in Motion. This week is filmmaker Philip Humans. He is 19 years old, and he just won Tribeca. Not only did he win it for Best Film, but he also, as the cinematographer as well, won Best Cinematography. Um, he wrote, shot, and edited this while in high school. He was the youngest ever to be uh, just selected to be at Tribeca, and he's definitely the youngest ever to win at Tribeca. Uh, he is he just finished up his freshman year at NYU, uh, and his summer is going to be filled with um, speaking with agents, going to Hollywood. His plans for his next film are going to start taking shape, and it is just <laughs> unbelievable what he has achieved so far. And my favorite part about him is how laid back he is, how cool he is, how honest he is. He, um, we were able to sit down in person since he lives in New York and talk about all of it. Um, talk about how he got to be in a place where he was able to achieve some, such a thing while in high school. Uh, he went to a great film high school and I think, uh, you know, the results bear fruit pretty quickly there. And, um, you know, we talked about the film. He he was gracious enough to send me a link so that I could watch it. And, and that was great because we were able, you know, we don't spoil anything, but we were just able to talk about it in a much more detailed way, obviously. And I think hopefully in ways that are enjoyable to listen to, even though you haven't seen it yourself, we kind of talk about things in conceptual form, which I think is, uh, you know, universally understood to, to, to understand and, and, and listen to. And um, we, we also talked about, you know, the movie is heavy. It's about, it's about religious indoctrination. It's about um, alcoholism. And a lot of those things come from his personal life. And he was, he was open enough to talk about that, talk about how his life um, is, is influenced and, and, and is in the writing. Um, and that's really remarkable for him, for him to, to do that. And then he talks about what he hopes for for his future. Um, he already has amazing plans for a second film, which he shared. So all in all, you know, this is the second of a double feature for us reopening the uh, the podcast. And just as much as I was excited about Ryan Booth in the last episode, you know, connecting us to our past and as far as a podcast show goes, this is most certainly where we want our future to be heading. He is just representative of, of that and being able to reach out to people like this and um, to speak with them in this way. It's exciting. Uh, there's going to be more of it. And um I don't know. The, the hour just feels really special. And, and of course, that's that's all due to Philip being down to discuss things personal and uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an honest way. And so, like I mentioned, we are presented by Masters in Motion. That is a three-day filmmaking conference in Austin, Texas that happens every December. They are going to be in their 10th year. Uh, every year, ASC cinematographers, ACE editors, incredible production designers, producers, just all sorts of, of, of big-time Hollywood people come down, talk about the craft. And the best part is that a lot of them stay for the full three days, which means that we go out on 6th Street in Austin, for those who are familiar. And you can, um, you know, grab a beer with with uh, DP from Game of Thrones and uh, pick their brain and, and actually get to talk to people. Um, and I think that's what sets Masters in Motion apart from other other conferences that it's not just in a formal setting, but you could just be informal and really get to know them and chat about, well, you know, whatever. Uh, so that's great. And so they are our presenting sponsor. And now we are up to uh, episode 42. Thank you so much for being here. This is filmmaker, 19-year-old filmmaker, winner of Tribeca, Philip Humans. Well, I think a few things are, they come to the forefront when thinking about the story and how you kind of come across everybody's desk is obviously that you won Tribeca and then also the age at which you did all of that and like the age stuff kind of begs the question especially knowing how early on you um, started this project which I just want to talk about even further than that how how early on were you like thinking about films in a way not just that you liked them but that you wanted to be making them and that you thought that that was a, a thing you could do mm. I was about uh, 10 or 11 when I started auditioning and acting in local productions that came into New Orleans. Oh, okay. Um, and so initially my first interest in film was as an actor. But, uh, and even before that, I was in TAT at my school, at my elementary school, which is Talented in Theater. Um, and so I was acting. I really wanted to get into it from that side. But then after going on to productions, like a number of productions, smaller productions, especially coming on as like a, a day player or a small speaking role, 
I got to really kind of see the dynamic of the set firsthand mm-hmm. and see how so much the creative control that I was really interested in was behind the camera. And so that discovery happened fairly early on, probably like a year, maybe two years into acting. Like you were 12? I yeah, mean, that's probably about 12 or 13 when I started early. making my first, my first short film I released, not released, but I finished it when I was 13. Yeah. yeah. And actually Burning King was my first festival submission that I actually went through with. There were a couple other, some, some of my other shorts earlier on that had gotten into some smaller festivals, um, but I'd never really followed through with the process. I don't know why. Because I think at that time, I was never that satisfied with any of that stuff. Well, know? yeah, I mean, I think people go through that for quite a while. I yeah. mean, and the fact that we're talking about a 13-year-old, what kind of themes and stories were you telling at the time? Was it as heavy and serious and adult as, mm. as Burning Cane? I would say... A lot of the stuff that I was making then was more like personally introspective in that I was usually touching on like isolation or, um, you know, masculinity complexes, which are touched upon in Burning Cane. But they were much they were just at 12 and 13. Well, yeah, because those those are the things that I was personally dealing with, you know, like how so um, I've always kind of been a reclusive person Uh or just a somewhat introverted until I get comfortable around people then it's then it's a different story but sure there were just a lot of things about me a lot about my insecurities I kind of developed as a kid that I was just kind of working through in a lot of those early films my first film that I would say was touching on that directly was this thing I made called no illness in arms it was about this kid who was obsessed with 2001 and he stays in his house all the time and then he's made this entire dream scenario about this school that he goes to. And it's like some school that's going to train him to be an astronaut. But then they tell him that he can no longer be an astronaut because he's crazy. It's, and, and then he kills that. <laughs> it's crazy. It's like it's it was such a it was such a obviously that's a dramatization of those same themes. But like those were things that I was working with a lot of those frustrations, you know. But that make I mean that even that makes a little bit more sense to be coming from such a young kid. You know, I mean, are you, was anyone in your family, are they, are they artists? Like, were well, you having guidance that kind of showed to tap into those things? How did, like, cause that's, it's just an elevated way to tap into certain things. Mm. Like 12 year olds might be experiencing these things, but it's hard to recognize it and put it down on paper. Mm. I mean, that's an extraordinary thing. Appreciate that. But, uh. As far as my family, no, actually, no one is directly an artist, but my mother, actually, she's a, she's a physician, but she always wanted to be a screenwriter, mm. so in a way, I think a lot of, she's always been very, very supportive and motivating of me in that, yeah, exactly, championing it, That's because, perfect. yeah, yeah, exactly, because she's, she's, uh, she, I think in a way, she's so happy and proud of the whole situation, not only because of the work that I put into it, but that it kind of feels like she gets to kind of live in a way vicariously through me in a way that right. all of her supporting and championing, like you say, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's working out in that way. So I think, I think she's excited about it for sure, but no, 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 no direct artists in my family. Wow. Cause I mean, to be taking that and I, you know, I've done some research before we sat down and I know that <clears throat> you had a teacher at school that was pretty pivotal. Yes. And so, the short, like, because Burning Came was originally a short film, mm-hmm. and he had said that I think that there's a chance for it to be a feature. Yeah. When that happened, like, what went through your mind when when he said that? Is that were you automatically excited? Did you think, man, that's so daunting? Because you, he was te- that's this conversation happened when you were 15. No, the conversation that conversation actually for that happened pretty much as soon as I turned 17. Oh, okay. And so yeah, so I made the short when I was 16, but. Oh, it was made as a short. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, well, I so I didn't make that. the short. No, I, oh, I wrote okay. the short. That's what I meant to gotcha, say. Yeah, gotcha, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So I wrote the short when I was sixteen, and then I um, showed it to Mr. Webb, um, and he he really dug it. And then we uh, also side note is cursing or what is is that? Keep Rip it, it man. Okay, if all right. You feel it? You can all right, say okay. It. <laughs> I just wanted to know, just in terms. No, of... No, I appreciate right. that. Okay, but yeah, yeah. All right. Um, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, he told me. He told me that he thought that the short had feature length potential because of how grounded in character that it was and because it didn't involve any sort of extravagant set pieces. Yeah. That really what was so what was I think what's so awesome about shooting down there especially It wasn't budget breaking. No, not at all. No, no. Especially because and I'll and I'll walk you through more about how the community really came together to help us make this movie. I mean, you can feel it. Yeah, for sure. Like it's 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 so true in really every aspect of it. But 
given that, given that we knew that I was as young as I was, I felt like, and we actually ended up kind of implementing it. It seemed like now was going to be the time to make this movie, if ever, and now was the only time to make this movie. Bef- for where you were in life, you mean? Before where I was in life, and also for where I was resource-wise. Like, to unpack that, like, so the high school that I went to, the New Orleans Center for Creative Arts, their media arts department has gear that is, it's, it's, it's for kids our age, it's phenomenal. Yeah, now, it's, is this a special high school? It is. It's How an did you arts get high school. This? So like, it's a, it's a public high school, but you have to audition to get in. Okay. New York City has plenty of those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sure they have like uh, LaGuardia or, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's essentially like that. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And so we, um, we had access to all of this gear um, and it was gear that we wouldn't have been able to afford had we not gone there. It was gear that, honestly, it's better gear with freer access than I've had at co- in college, you know, if we're being honest, you know. Right. And it's, um, and I recognize those resources. And I also recognize that on a personal element, like I wanted to make that movie now. And so I was just, I, I think it was, it just felt like a perfect storm of, I'm young enough that people are going to help me because they, they want to yeah, help this kid. You can lean into that. Yeah, no, and I and I we were all I, my producers, all of us were fully aware of that. Yeah. You know, where the fact that to a certain extent people aren't gonna take us as seriously because we're as young doing this. But in that, we all knew and believed that this was going to be something. Well, it's kind of funny. It's this, it's like it's a hindrance until you turn it into like a strength beyond means. Exactly. And it's kind of interesting how at a certain point that, that flips. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's so interesting. Yeah. Because like, yes, the conversation, no, early in pre-production, uh, there were some filmmakers that I met with that I, uh, that I do still respect and, 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 and they're, uh, they're New Orleans based filmmakers and I... After one meeting in particular, I was with my producer, Mose Mayer. We were like, yo, like, fuck that. Like, we're not going to let anybody tell us that we're in over our heads. You well, know? hold on. Let's unpack. What, what, what were you hearing? Well, it was just like, it wasn't that. What, what they said wasn't overtly negative. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't saying, fuck them. I was just, fuck, just fuck speaking, the apprehension. You know what I'm saying? They were trying to speak practically. Yes, exactly. When in this, when I, that's such a, that's a great word, practically, because I think so much has come in my career has worked out in thinking completely impractically. Like just thinking about like making a movie, making sure all the resources come together, getting Wendell Pierce, doing all that stuff sounds, it sounded impractical to me, sounds impractical when you think about it, but yeah. it's like, it's just about a, you know what I mean? It's but you so were proactive about it. Exactly. Because I wanted, what I wanted to talk about is that I, from what I gathered, that you had shot a few things, put that together, and then like you DM'd Ben Zeitlin. Yeah, on Instagram. So yeah. the director of Beasts of, of the Southern Wild. Yes. Um, obviously a New Orleans native as well. Well, Ben's actually Ben's uh, from New York, but I mean you wouldn't oh, know oh, oh. you would, but you wouldn't know that because he lives in New Orleans. He loves. Oh, he's okay. so yeah, yeah. he's so ingrained in Louisiana. You wouldn't know, yeah. Unless yeah, yeah. You knew, so not yeah. native, but but uh, essential, a soul, a yeah, soul, yeah, of, yeah. A soul of Nola. Um, that act in particular of just DMing someone with a certain amount of confidence, and that you weren't just trying to, I don't know, say hi, but you were trying to maturely say, I believe I have something that you would be interested in. Yeah. I have something of value for you. I can provide value to you. That. That um, act is something that a lot of people are afraid of. What what gave you the belief that you felt comfortable doing that? And in such a uh, perfect for your age way of a DM. Like yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's just perfect. <laughs> well, I mean, I had, I, I, Ben, Ben, I think is incredibly talented. Glory at Sea, Beast of Southern Wild. I'd admired his work. For, for a good minute before that. Because mm-hmm. um, I remember when I was in like elementary school, there was a screening of Beasts of the Southern Wild at the Britannia that I went to. And it, it was, yeah, since then. So I've had an appreciation for Ben's work for Child, a while. Childhood hero then, in a way. In, I mean, in a way. In, not in to terms like of, put him on a crazy the, stature. No, but, but in terms of my appreciation for Ben and his work, yeah, go You're ahead. In elementary yeah, school, yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. marveling at him, and then you hit him up. I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but I hit. So I hit Ben up uh, after principal photography, and um, we we got coffee, and we just we we just had a back and forth in terms of it was just it, we were driving. Like there was a 
we became friends really early on. And, um, and honestly, a lot of our conversations initially were not about the film, really, just about life stuff, just unpacking his brain, because I was so interested in the storm that How'd unfolded How'd you get him, to, him. Co- to connect with you, though, in the first place? Like, why did he care to talk to you? I don't know. I think it was because I had some work to show for it, okay. in a way. I, yeah. think, I think at the end of the day... He had to have seen some promise, right? Yeah, yeah. So when he saw that, I think he was, he was interested in it, and... That the version of that trailer that I sent him, I wanted it to be the version of the trailer that we released with this, but I, but I learned so much about releasing and all that kind of stuff recently. But, uh, but yeah, so he saw that, and I think he saw the story in that. He saw the heart and the peace then, and then he reached back out to me, and then we, he was like, I can't believe that you shot this, yada yada yada, and then we were just going back and forth. I was asking him a lot about what it was like to go on this festival tear to be, mm. what was it like mm-hmm. for Beasts of the Southern Wild to explode and yeah. for all that kind of stuff. Just unpacking it's that. It's so great that you have that as someone that you could talk to. Yeah, it's I mean, crazy. it's really grounding. But before, I don't want to jump ahead, to get that response from him, and now you obviously had confidence going into it, but that had to have been a certain level of validation. Definitely, definitely. What, was that val- what did that validation provide for you? For me, it just... Having a, a filmmaker like Ben Zeitlin tell me that my work is tight and that like, I mean, it's, yeah. it's insane. No. And there were, there were validating steps along the way. Like if we're going back to like validation from the, from the core, I'd say when I sent that script to Wendell and he responded and was invigorated and excited about it, that was one thing I was like, okay, well, in terms of the journey that is making a film, that first step of validation saying, okay, well, at least the script seems to be in a good place. You know, that's great. That's a great feeling then. And his involvement coming in, seeing how deeply he delved into that, that's another validating thing. You know, it's just, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you made him, you made him care. And I, I think it, you made a lot of people care. It's quite clear, especially with the community aspect. Yeah. Um, at what point, at what stage did you get Wendell? How did you get Wendell? So I got Wendell when I, it was in pre-production and I, uh, I was working at this He's venue. He's in New Orleans set. head. Yeah, New Orleans. With Wendell, Treme and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. So Wendell's born and raised in New Orleans. He, um, he went to the same two high schools that I went to. Oh, great. Benjamin Franklin, which is the academic high school that I went to in the morning. And then my filmmaking education was NOCA. So every day. So I would go to Franklin in the morning, leave at 1130, then go to NOCA for the rest of the day. And then... Um, so yeah, Wendell was in that same sort of pattern with me. And then I was working at Morning Call Coffee Stand and Wendell, uh, I guess Wendell and Lula Elsie, the woman that I met, I think they had just been friends from before, probably from NOCA or some sort of other city arts connection. And I was waiting on Lula Elsie and uh, I was talking to her about what I was working on. She asked me what school I went to. Uh, I told her NOCA. I told her that I was uh, gearing up for my first feature. And then I ran her through like the characters in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got to the pastor. I told her that everyone else had been cast at that point except this preacher. And then she thought, you know, she said, what do I think of Wendell Pierce playing the role? <laughs> and after, no, yeah. And after she I said, mean, I freaked out. Yeah, I yeah. mean, come on. Yeah, here, I'm, I'm, a, I'm sitting in my waiter uniform at morning call. Just like, just freaking out. Yeah, with beignets. It's crazy. Uh, just that scene is, is it's. It's so wild to think about in retrospect, man. And like, uh, I mean, Wendell is just a, a beast. Stellar. Like, one of the, stellar. One, of, one, of our, one of our best actors. Just Lit- an absolute stellar. force. Yes. And from what I gather, an incredible human being as mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah, he's a great dude. Yeah. So then, so how, do, how does it go from her pitching that idea to it actually happening? So she texted him right then, uh, got his email, and then... Uh, gave me his email and I sent him the draft of that script. And then at first, actually I told him, wait, like, wait, don't read what I just sent you because I was like, I need to expand this role. Like the, to have the opportunity to have Wendell Pierce in this means that I could build this community of this film. I could build mm. not only just focusing on the mother and the son's relationship. And the pastor was always a, a, a I love that you were flexible to that. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was exciting. Cause it's of like, course. I, I thought it made the film better. Like the, the the initially the pastor was there in moments as like um just really in the sermons like mm-hmm. the pastor was initially 
just a voice that you hear once Helen enters the church. Mm. He's like you added all the scenes that were outside of that. that yeah, that made him a fuller. Well, person. yeah, it's really expanding him outside of that. Exactly yeah. the scenes where you see him outside of that church context. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It allowed it allowed the pastor to be fleshed out, and so that's what I went in. Took a couple of days, did some rewrites on that, sent him a new draft, and then from that point, it was a back and forth about trying and you know to make the cool dates work. Is that as you were writing that? you had him in your mind's eye. Yeah. So when you're writing the rest of it, you, 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 were you writing it to him? Yes, for sure. In what ways do you think? I think that, uh, I think Wendell, Wendell is, I think, phenomenal in the moments where you allow him to breathe. Like you, oh, you allow do that him... so much in this film. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, in a real show of strength, I think. Yeah, your yeah. restraint is, in, is incredible. Appreciate it. I just it, think it takes a lot to do that. I appreciate that. I think uh, no, and I also think just in the moments where someone is just living, not any commanding action or anything. I just think Wendell is just phenomenal. Well, I could watch Wendell Pierce watch paint dry. Yeah, and I would be entertained. <laughs> like there would be, it would be gripping. Yeah, no, yeah, he, he's it's it's an authoritative quality to it. No, it's yeah, I see that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then the other part of it is now. So he comes on. And now, like, you have to direct this person. How do you, how did you deal, or maybe you didn't feel this way at all, and if that's, if that's the case, that's fine, but how did you deal with the intimidation, perhaps, of needing to direct him? And, like, in, the, in those first moments where he might have done something that you didn't want, um, maybe that comes easy to you, but, like, how did you deal with giving proper direction, being in the um, authoritative role that, you, that a director to an actor is? Mm. With someone like that. Yeah. In terms of directing Wendell, um, it really is not. And I learned this throughout directing really everyone in Burning Cane, with, but that Wendell situation specifically. It is really a collaboration that I think is based on a mutualistic conversation mm-hmm. more than it is any sort of commanding. Correct. Yeah. It's yeah. not an I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's also, I think it's, I was also really... I say this all the time, but it's true. I was really, really fortunate that all of the actors that I got to work with with Burning Kane are all brilliant. And we all had enough, amp- we had like ample conversations before the production with Wendell, email correspondence and phone calls and Kaia. It was just all about us kind of coming to a certain like-mindedness mm. that made, because when you think about it. So you were prepared is the answer. We were prepared, you were prepared, but and it, and it also made it so that it felt like the choices that were made, all the choices that Wendell made were incredibly calculated. Like when you, when I first went to his dressing room and saw his script mm. and saw his sermon, there were annotations everywhere. I mean, wow. this 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 man really is a student of the craft to this day. Yeah, that comes as no surprise. Yeah, it's whatsoever. like he's he's really just always trying to dig deeper, you know. And I think all of his choices were really so brilliant, and it helped take. You know, obviously, if there was an idea that I would have or he would have, we would talk about it. And, you know, but we came in with a like mind in a way. So I think that made it also really easy, especially when you think about the fact that in truth, I was also shooting the film. I know. know, I was also the cinematographer. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like there was there were there were just a ton of different elements that had to be. So in a way, I had to put a lot of trust in my actors for some points. Because you were busy dealing with technical? Or just having to shoot it and having to account for more than just them, you know? And having to account for more than just them, it was, it was, it was interesting. It was interesting because I had a lot of fun with it because I love shooting my stuff. I just love, I love the entire thing. It just, it's invigorating. Yeah. I think it was, it was interesting because focusing through the camera or watching the frame through the camera after setting the shot or then choosing to watch the scene without viewing it through the monitor or whatever. It's just, it's interesting how instead of just thinking about composition when you're directing and shooting, mm. it's a performance and a composition calculation simultaneously. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's all about how things are sort of dancing and melding together. And I think that that was invigorating to me. It's, it's a interesting lot to juggle, because I but feel it's like fun. watching it, I could feel that internal negotiation in your head because some of the things you were doing, I was like, it felt like the director was shooting it, but not in a bad way, but in a way where you are, you're putting equal value to both, where if that was two different people, one would be favoring one aspect, another would favor another aspect. Like the ways in which you, your choices for coverage or lack of coverage in a scene were really interesting, Espe- you know, because you would just have the 
balls to hold out on a shot that, I mean, I think about the one, this happened a lot, but the one that, that stands out was the, um, the close-up on the young boy. And then when the, the father walks all the way back to the kitchen is on the phone with his mom mm-hmm. and that you held in that for the entire time. And it, so much is going on in that and your constant, like slightly Dutch angle stuff. Um, it just was fascinating because I could see and hearing you talk about it now, I'm like, well, yeah, that's, that kind of explains it because it, it kind of, it's, it somewhat satisfies both ends and doesn't, go into either one fully in terms of that director dp mind split yeah it's 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 and it's if it's it's something to acknowledge that mind split you know i think it is important to acknowledge that like and even moving forward it's a question that i'm gonna have i was gonna ask for my next feature it's like i had i had i had the time in my life making this movie man and i i would love to shoot my next project but i wonder whether or not I'm doing a disservice to to the growth of the project, mm-hmm. or to like mm-hmm. to not bringing in other a brilliant you know a brilliant DP. Other so voices, that, yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's it's something that I'm thinking about though. Well, is this a situation where someone's first feature can be so personal? Yeah. But your second one is just a story that interests you, but the personal connection just isn't as strong. Mm. I mean, it has its own thing. It's, it's another baby. I'm not trying to take yeah, away yeah. from that, but no, you know no, what I'm I, getting I at. I it's like a, a band's first album instead. Of, you mm-hmm. know, it's like the one that you spent maybe your whole childhood thinking about until it happened. Yeah. Um, maybe that second one kind of allows that freedom to kind of be not as yeah for everything. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think that's true. I think, I think a lot of that is true, especially uh, when you think about, you know, the mechanism of coming on to another project or like, say, if I would direct something that maybe I didn't write like I did with Bernie Kane or that know. was I mean, the writing I also wanted to get into because I think, you know, <clears throat> the producer of this podcast, when I t- told her that I finished and she was like, well, how is it? And I was like, I, I don't understand how like a lot of it I get mm-hmm. from in terms of how, how someone that young could make it. The one thing that I really don't know is how someone that young could write that way just in terms of that that type of um what experiences a young person would have needed to have to be able to talk about that stuff in that matured way is really something appreciate that it means a lot man yeah i mean you're pulling from a deep well on that i would imagine yeah well with so in terms of in terms of burning cane i always like to say that it was really very, very rooted in my own personal experiences and my own <laughs> personal upbringing. You yeah, can't exactly. That. Exactly. Like it's, it's. And just so I don't want to spoil it for anyone, of course, but you know, you're dealing with um, alcoholism, um, religious zealotry. Um, how, how? What? What other? What other ways would you would you describe that heaviness? Uh, um, in terms of religion and how it's. Or, or just are those? Those are the two primary, I guess. Well, Re- yeah, religion yeah. Religion and alcoholism. Yeah, yeah. Religion, alcoholism, and the way that vices and alcoholism uh is kind of passed on in lineage and how easily it can be introduced yeah that i mean some of those scenes were so disturbing i you know like like when they're dancing it it it, i don't know like though that's a haunting thing to 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 see um and amazing that you thought of that you know like i don't know i i look at that and i'm like i just wonder what is that if that happens to mm. you, if that happened to you, or mm. or maybe you heard about it from friends or family, because like those are things that are so they're so personal and and detailed that it becomes universal, mm. but it's so personal. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a really heavy thing to put into a film. Yeah, you know, especially yeah. when you're young and I don't know. There's, that's a huge vulnerability. Yeah, no, no, it's it's so I've personally no a. It, for for me, I do I do have to acknowledge a personal separation when it comes to, you know, the harsh context of some of what's shown in Burning Cane. Mm-hmm. Um, I've struggled with alcoholism. Um, mm-hmm. I had a stint of that when I was in high school mm-hmm. uh, before making Burning Cane. Interesting. Um, but and all the questions about religion and all of the. Uh, the insecurities and the jealousies are all things that I've kind of dealt with, but I also need to acknowledge, in terms of Daniel and Burning Kane, the context of his experience of those things is significantly harsher. Yeah. 
just because of the 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 responsibility that he has to the people around him and to mm. his son. It's know. amazing then that, you know, to be able to take something that's affecting you, but then appropriately dial it up in that creative outlet. In what ways if was the project a way to deal with your own alcoholism? Well, in terms of uh, alcoholism, I recognized... So, I started drinking a lot when I... I was I was really insecure and jealous. I was in this relation. I was in a relationship during the time, mm. um, and I could always grow a beard out pretty easily. And <laughs> so I would just let that grow out, and I would go to discount stores in the seventh ward because they didn't ID me. And so when they didn't ID me, I was just really abusing that, you know. Yeah. And I was uh, I was just buying half pints, um, you know, 40 ounces, uh, MD 2020s, just going kind of through the ringer with that. Um, and it was just destructive. Like it, it was, it was messing up with my academics. It was, I'm sure. I was just, and it, it was just reckless behavior and it made it worse in that my girlfriend, her, her, her family and her father were, they, they were having an episode in that literally simultaneously yeah. And so it just seemed like an entire like full circle toxic cycle. Mm. My mother stepped in, she recognized what I was doing. She found too many bottles that I couldn't come up with enough excuses for. Yeah. And so she made me shave the beard. Uh, and so I didn't, <laughs> I tried, I made, so I, I'm not going to lie. There were some points in time where I tried my way to try to get around it, you know, like any no, yeah, I mean, yeah. you're also a teenager. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. So, but no one wants to talk about their teenage yeah. years because none of us are completely innocent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, um, but either way, it was important for her to really kind of just cement how destructive this was. And it's not like I didn't know it, but I think really having her kind of bring the hammer down in that way was important in truth. And I think really it just it wanted it motivated me to want to touch on an individual who is really seeking solace in alcoholism because of those same things, the jealousy, the insecurity, yeah. the potential, you know, toxic masculine waves, you know, like those kind of things. I just, that was the substance of inspiration for, for Daniel, for sure. It also explains, I mean, he's an older man than you are, but it doesn't make a difference. His, the relationship to his, to his mother in the film, now all of that is, it all becomes quite apparent. That's that's nice. I mean, it's it's it's... It's interesting that, you know, that's your outlet for for processing all of that. Yeah. I think and it was it was a there were therapeutic aspects of burning cane even outside of that. I think in terms of like the religious context, my main mission with everyone in burning cane, everyone that's populates Laurel Valley is to humanize. Mm. Is to show them as nuanced, as living, breathing fallible people but still people you know nonetheless and i think that the way i worked through a lot of my differences with how i was raised you know in the church with burning cane is that in seeking that humanizing element i definitely pacified in terms of how how openly and overtly antagonistic i was of the church my mm -hmm. differences still remain but I think I think it, it helped mature me in a way and to stop being so gung ho about everything, mm. because for some people, their lives are hard and that's a beacon for them. Even if I don't believe it or whatever, it's not my right to tell them that they can't. You know what I mean? The, pro the process grew, grew your own empathy. Exactly. Exactly. There we go. That's that's a great way to put it. Yeah, that's exactly how it did. No, for sure. That's filmmaking. Yeah. I mean, empathetically viewing things either that you don't understand or things that you know your audience isn't going to understand. That's great. At what point in the process, and maybe there isn't a, a, a fixed point, that did you realize that you were dealing with something that had like unbound potential? <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say, man, in making this film, we all believed in it. But at the end of the day, there is no way to predict if anyone's going to respond to it. Yeah. There's literally no way, and especially in this case, it was so grassroots, man, I tell you. It is cuz I and, and this is my answer to that cuz I really don't have an answer to that, but I'm trying there to like usually isn't, yeah, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, yeah, like I just I just feel incredibly fortunate that people have responded to it that it's meant something. Yeah. 
And it's it's going back to how we spoke earlier about the validating and the steps in the journey of a film. Like mm. it is, it feels especially validating in this case because Burning Cane was entirely me working on my own creative instincts. You know, I had ample feedback from my mentors and all of that kind of stuff. But it was validating in that my personal voice, my personal artistic identity, and my my style, all of that stuff was good enough. You know what I mean? That to me, that's what's so motivating and what's giving me enough confidence to really move on. You're and emboldened. Say, okay, exactly, exactly emboldened for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great because I mean, um, so you finish and you're happy with it and you're getting good feedback, then you get accepted into Tribeca. What was that moment like? Uh, that was that was wild. I was in a, a psych recitation, uh, and I checked my. E- <laughs> I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 this was this is my first year at uh, NYU. Oh, okay, actually. great, yeah, great. yeah. <laughs> I was in a, a psych recitation, and I checked my phone, my email. I got an email from Kara Kuzumano, director of programming at mm-hmm. uh, Tribeca. Mm-hmm. She said the film was beautiful. She'd love to meet to talk about it. It was an email written out to Wendell and I, and then. I freeze up, go to the bathroom, freeze up some more, call my mother, call Kaia. Freeze um, up? Was it like, feeling like just, just so Just in shock. Yeah, yeah, completely. Happy? Yeah, very happy. Okay. Ex- extreme, just un- unreal. Nervous? Surreal. Nervous. Or no. At that point, more surreal. Like okay. More like I was, I was like refreshing the email to make sure it was still there and in the morning i did the same thing no i did yeah i and, believe you yeah and then <laughs> i yeah. and then i uh and then when i got back to after the class i was just walking and i took like a long walk around the east village where my dorm was and it's just just walking not going anywhere just walking calling people what were you thinking about just how the film was going to be seen people were going to see this thing and mm. it's gonna it's so it was more about the film than perhaps what how it might impact you personally? Well, I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, the biggest thing about all of this is just making more movies, you right, know what I mean? Right. And that's, and, and I've gotten to meet so many awesome people and press is, is, is fun. I feel like I've met a ton of awesome people. I get to talk about the film. That's great. At the end of the day, the end mission is always about the next movie. You know, Amen. it's always about, yeah. Know, coming back tomorrow. Yeah. Coming back, coming back in May. It's cause it's the best, it's the best shit, dude. Like it's, <laughs> it's the funnest stuff. Yeah. Then, Going into the festival, and maybe we, we could talk more about um, how Ben might have been a great mentor just in terms of how to handle that type of environment, there's obviously this desire to maximize that moment mm-hmm. and like not either screw it up or to make sure that you get the most um, benefit that you can mm-hmm. when you're in that environment. Mm-hmm. What kind of pressure did you feel going into it, and how, how do you think you, what was your approach? I think the uh, pressure that I felt was that in terms of like, when you think about it, like the opportunities, people kind of voc- speak about festivals being a networking opportunity yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And uh, in truth, the press schedule during the festival was, was pretty around the clock. Like it was, it was in between the screenings. I had moments here or there to go to some of those, some of the parties, some of the events. Mm-hmm. The festival hub was pretty cool. I met a lot of, met some cool journalists and other filmmakers there. But really, most of the time was spent dealing with things relating to Burning Cane or taking meetings with other people or, or press runs. You know, I well, think. Also, I guess a lot of people are can go. A lot of movies get accepted, mm-hmm. and you're one of. I don't know, 50, 60 movies, but when you're also going in already known as the youngest ever, there's this, there, you don't, you don't have to try to get attention. Like the attention yeah. is on you, which is nice yeah, because yeah. You, you don't have any, have to try. I guess <laughs> <laughs> in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I guess <laughs> I think I, uh, yeah, no, I, I think the going into it, I just, I think I was, I was really just afraid or just nervous for the premiere like that was well what exactly was were you afraid of just just being in the room and it was confirmed that i'm so squeamish like the premiere went well i just i am so neurotic about everyone and when people watch the film like i that's why it honestly is better for me to step out of the room just because 
and I, I could still enjoy myself. I could still enjoy the moment, but I was so neurotic about literally every aspect, like every point in the film, I was looking around trying to gauge people react, people's reactions mm. to every little moment. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's no way to watch a movie. Like I'm not. That wasn't a fun. That wasn't a fun aspect. No, that wasn't enough. That, that was a- in that point in time, how how on edge I was. Yeah, I have to say, was not fun. Yeah, but the moment around it after the Q&A just being there with I think well at that the, point you're yeah, celebrating yeah, that's right? a, yeah exactly it, it then well. it's like yeah and it, yeah exactly I think I'm just I think I'll, I'll get to a point where I can definitely watch it again and I and I and I can I can but I think in that moment I was just so just it was a it was the premiere I was yeah yeah, yeah no it's all kind of a wash you, yeah it's hard to even remember specific moments I'm sure yeah and I also I got I got I just got so much more comfortable throughout the festival by the end of it I felt like you know I'm a pro now like I, <laughs> I felt like I just in terms of even the Q&As like I felt like I could actually I could speak and get to the point of the question and address mm. the question directly mm-hmm. I think part of me I guess growing in terms of answering questions throughout the festival and all that stuff was just sort of like quieting down myself mm. and like trying to recognize and assess what people were asking and directly address that yeah. You know, because it's so easy for me to go on a, a million tangents. No, about, it's hard. Yeah. Uh, Q&As are hard to, to be because there's this pressure to be concise. Exactly. But, you know, it's certainly not a podcast. You don't have an hour to yeah. chat about it. Yeah. I know. Well, that's that's great. And um, did Ben give you any specific advice kind of thing? Uh, you could share? I mean, well, Ben, uh, Ben told me. It was going to be crazy. He, he told me. <laughs> that was accurate. Yeah. As soon, so as soon as I got like, no, I think a day after I got into Tribeca, I called Ben to tell him. And then Ben introduced me to uh, my managers over at Untitled Entertainment. Mm. And that's when we first had our first festival thing about it. And, um, and he, that's when he told me, he's like, man, this is going to be crazy. He says, I mean, you're so young doing this. You know, it's that's crazy, man. But Ben has been Ben has been there for me really the whole time. Well, it's cool because you're clearly there's there's a grounded nature, and I guess that comes from parents and from, I guess, a support system. Yeah. Uh, ben being part of that. Yeah. So that's that's really nice. And then, and then you win. Yeah. Um. Did Did you have any inkling that that was going to happen? No. No. I mean, I I had a hope, but. I didn't, I couldn't, I everybody couldn't have, has a hope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I couldn't have, I couldn't have, man, that moment was another surreal moment, man. Yeah. I, I was, uh, I had gotten, I'm really, really cool with Jane. So for some reason, when she came on the stage, it was like a comforting aspect to me. I was mm-hmm. like, who, you know, it becomes real and yeah, personal yeah. and not just this room of strangers. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Jane, 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 and really everyone at Tribeca, showed all of us so much love mm-hmm. just every all of all of my actors all of all of my team and everything they've just been great and um for some reason there was this like weird like coolness that came over me when she came on because for the rest of the whole time i was just really kind of tense mm-hmm. even after we gotten best cinematography which you went shot best actor. yeah yeah which is yeah it's awesome it feels it feels great <laughs> Uh, and then, but I think when she came on, it was like, okay, like she was a familiar face. It was just in the moments before that. Yeah. yeah. And then when she started talking about it, I was like, oh, what that, you know, this is wild. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I don't know. And what about, I mean, the next morning when things really start to settle in, cause I found it interesting in like doing the research, um, you know, like. IndieWire, I think, said it was like the most important black film of 2019 so far. And I always wonder when those really huge statements that are also very general, if that feels, if you're you're happy about that, if that feels like that's, what does that even mean? Or if you want to take that torch and run with it, or like, how how does it feel to be, to have that responsibility placed? Mm. Um, in truth, it really doesn't change that much about what I'm doing on a day to day or what I think about. Sure. Sure. Um, and I think it's really important for me to make that separation. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, in terms of burning cane and in that way and labeling it the most exciting or important or whatever the, uh, I don't remember the specific headline, but it was someone, yeah. I think it's the most important black film of 2019 so far. Word, word. (laughs) Well, you know. 
I think the approach or maybe the appreciation comes from the fact that I was trying to humanize an, an untold perspective mm-hmm. or an untold nuance and facet of our community, you know? Yeah, that, that, that comment certainly validates that you did that. Word, yeah, and I, I, just, I just think for me it's important that I just... Because I'm motivated to tell like nuanced, multidimensional stories about my community and just just about people. You know, it's just mm-hmm. it, it doesn't any outside noise or any outside conversation. While it is flattering, you know, it's it is of course. Uh, yeah, but it doesn't change anything about the stories that I want to make. Like nothing, you know. No, what I'm no, I wouldn't think yeah. it would. I mean, if anything, like you know, to say emboldened again. I mean, obvi- it doesn't change anything about Burning King because that's already made. But I wonder yeah. when you hear that, does it? Is it some? It, does it become a part of the equation when you're thinking about what what you want to do next, or mm-hmm. does it? Maybe it adds this responsibility that is either maybe it's comfortable, maybe it's uncomfortable that you have that associated with you now, mm. and if being a vo- like a black voice of your generation, mm-hmm. uh, which essentially is what it's saying that that's just an interesting, it's interesting to, yeah, to, to <laughs> no, contemplate it's a lot. That. Yeah. And you that's think a, about there's that. So much there. There's so much to that. No, that's facts. And, uh, I mean, I, and you're just a person. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're you, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, but it's, it's kind of invigorating too, actually, you know, like I would hope yeah. to know that, to know that there's that kind of energy behind the work that I'm making and that it's important in that way. And it really could make a difference in terms of showing us in a really multidimensional nuanced light. And that's exciting, you know? So I'd say again, emboldening, like you said before, yeah, that's, yeah. I feel like that could be used again here. It shouldn't, it's not going to directly fa- affect what I do on a day to day in terms of the work that I put in, yeah. but it is exciting and motivating that that's the kind of appreciation that this work is having. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. And you're, and you're happy to be associated with it being a black film. Of course. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That's what this movie is. That's who it's for. <laughs> that's what it's about. That's what it's good. Yeah. Good. I, I do think it's like, uh, I guess in, uh, in one way, like, of course the answer is of course, Yeah. but I don't know, you know? No, I hear you. I, um, no, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I love that, man. It's yeah. yeah. No, that's cool. Um, and I guess also I was wondering, you know, you're you're fresh. You're just finishing up freshman year at NYU Film School. Mm-hmm. Do you? Is there a feeling that I don't need to finish? Okay, we'll get into it. Uh, there is. Uh, so going back to Noka, I think the biggest thing that my frustration with in college has been thus far is that. Um it's felt like a certain repetition. Like Mm -hmm. it feels like I am repeating a lot of the information that was solidified for me at my arts high school. Yeah, because your education Um, was above average there. Because, yes, because of how technical it was. Like it really was. And the access to gear that we had, it was was really, it was was an essential film school. And I think because of that, really because of that, that's why it's made my experience so glaringly different Mm -hmm. also because i do recognize that kids come in with varying levels of experience it's interesting that you're not even saying that you're questioning like continuing not because of the success of burning cane but just because of the success of your high school experience i mean yeah yeah i think because i recognize the value of education you know i think i think if i were to find a way to stay in school moving forward it would be focused on me expanding as an intellectual outside of film Mm-hmm. You know, and that makes sense. And going into some of the other, you know, things that I'm interested in, maybe touching on or going into African American literature or journalism. Yeah, use it as an or, avenue to to explore the things that you want to make films on. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And I think, um, I think just it just would help me. It could help me expand in that way. But so you might I, change your major. No, yeah, I might. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. Might, I might not be a film major. But um, because I'm going to be working, you know what I mean. But I do. I do yeah, realize you don't need the paper to continue directing. That's for sure. Yeah, and I just think that the biggest thing is uh, my primary focus is my next film. You know, but if there's any way, any sort of way it can be harmonized in that way, I'm open to trying to make it work. But it's 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 there's going to have to be some adjustments. Not just not not demanding anything, but just being honest about what's going on in my life. It's and a unique how, position. Yeah. I yeah. mean, let's be real. Yeah. Because, you know, your summer isn't spent uh, heading home and, and like 
working at that waiter, being a waiter, trying to like get some summer money up so that when you go back to school, you got some extra change. Like, yeah. I'm sure you're taking interesting meetings and yeah, you're talking to interesting people. Crazy. And everybody wants to talk to you. It's crazy. Because you man. just <laughs> want Tribeca. So like, there's a lot on your plate. And I would imagine that um, maybe even the like the mentorship from Ben, just in terms of it's one thing to have the success that first time out, but now yeah. it's like I could I could see being worried about you know potential missteps or like how do you how do you in almost in the same way of like when I go to the festival I don't want to screw up that experience and now it's like I don't want to make any mistakes about how to how I handle the success and like how I maximize the success I could see that being pretty pressurized. Yes, no, and I think about that all the time, but I'm I'm. I'm really fortunate to have a great team at Untitled Man, and they... Uh, That's huge. They help. It's, yeah, essential, you know. And, um, no, but I, I have been thinking about that, especially in terms of, um, you know, what it means in terms of positioning my next film, like who's the best fit, mm -hmm. you know. But everyone that I've met thus far has been really great, you know, and it's... And it's um, and I'm about to go out to L.A. to take up a ton of meetings with some agents, uh, mm -hmm. And, and a few other places. Uh, it's it's crazy, dude. It's places meeting with people and talking about things that I could have never dreamed of a year ago. Yeah. Let alone, no. A more month than, ago. Let a month ago. <laughs> thank you. There we go. A month ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's a complete 360 and it's like, it's a ride, but it's, it's a lot. It's a, yeah, it's a lot. It's also exhilarating, you know, it's, I would hope, man, yeah. it's not fun. Yeah, like, it's this, like, <laughs> this better be fun. Cause if you're here telling me it's not fun, I'm like, well, shit. I'm bit, like, what's the <laughs> <laughs> No, but yeah, it's, it's great, man. Like, it's, it's so exciting. And like, the idea of like, just making, just, and I'm so, so excited at the potential of on, on the next film, like the fact that everyone in the production, from top to bottom are going to be people who are like at the top of their industry. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, just when you're on set when everybody is the best person. Exactly. What they do. Yeah. Yo, yeah. that's going to be insane. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so cool. And especially, I guess that big decision about, um, being your own cinematographer or not. Yeah. It's, it's, it depends. Yo, it really depends. Cause if I can, I'm not opposed to it, but I'm also, I'm also questioning what it would be like to be able to focus on mm -hmm. working with actors. Yeah. Just to be able to like focus on that yeah. and have that be my sole primary focus. Obviously, there's a visual dialogue that happens between the director and the DP and that's always a continued conversation. But I just, just to, you know what I mean? Just to have... 100%. I mean, I definitely have had my own experiences working with directors who have come from camera and I might have been the first time that I was their cinematographer and they, mm. where they like really let go of the camera yeah. and, and they were just explaining how amazing it was to like as a scene was going on, just like sitting in a corner, staring at a director's monitor and just being able to take it in and like detach. Think, yeah. think about something, think about other aspects of the scene and not having to worry about the literal camera operation. Yes. Because you're not paying attention to like, maybe they were doing, like the actor was doing something interesting with his left hand and then yeah. like you, you go down some sort of mind, like you yes. know, conceptual tangent in your head because you don't, because you can, because you can afford that brain power. Yes. What happens that's then? That's so interesting. Yeah. I want to know. <laughs> yeah. I want to know what that's like. So like, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such an interesting question you know i just and there there are some there's some real they're just there's a lot of masters out here man that it would be great to work with you know i just i just yeah i'm sure that you'll have their ear yeah i'm, I'm just we'll see we'll see and we'll, because if it's uh i don't know i don't know i think i think i think my 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 gut is is sort of is is directing towards working with a dp mm -hmm. you know just because i want to have that experience of being able yeah. to and just because you do yeah. it once doesn't mean that you can't pick up the camera on another Again, one yeah, it's true. not like this lifelong decision yeah. you're making it's yeah, just yeah. for that project yeah and it's also me just developing and growing and yeah. be able yeah because i mean how much how much lighting a lot of it did feel naturalistic all it's all all completely natural or practical that's what it felt like yeah and i didn't know if maybe there was just some high level uh, trickery going on but it, but it's nice to have that confirmed because i mean that also you know things open up when you are working with people who really know how to use the the, the toys yeah I and mean, it becomes a different thing yeah i think in this case with burning cane that was a, that was a because we had gotten with Burning Cane, the lighting was 
intentionally kept practical and natural really for for more than anything and, and to kind of accentuate the documentarian element of it and it it works like for that in space yeah yeah, yeah. and your tone and regardless it, it, it also allowed for like the tone control mm-hmm. is super tight i Word. mean it's the any frame from that film is a frame from that film you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. nothing strays um yeah. which is a huge that's a huge aspect of directing in general i mean yeah. the tone control you, you a lot of your movie could be a mess, but if the tone is in control, then it still feels cohesive. Word. You know? That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. It still feels like it's the same piece. Yeah. So, um, for do you already have plans on what your next movie is? You don't have to tell me, but I'm just curious if like you're already at that point where you know what you're doing next. Yeah, yeah. I can, I, I can talk about it. Okay. I mean, I'm... I'm Whatever you're comfortable I've, with. I've, I, don't, I don't need I've to... I've spoken about it, so I'm going I'm to go ahead and say it again. Okay, sure. Um... So my next, what I'm working on right now, mm-hmm. um, I feel like there might be some 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 danger in saying like for sure this is the next project that's coming out of me. Yeah, no worries. But my next narrative feature that I'm really really in the gutter working on is yeah. about the New Orleans chapter of the Black Panthers in 1970 in in the Desire Housing Projects in their short tenure there. And um, that sounds really dope. It's it's. I mean, what a what a specific thing. Yeah. Um, where did that interest come from? Um, so in high school, I went to this um, this screening at the Ashe Center of Cultural Arts about the New Orleans chapter. They, there was a short documentary about them uh, and their time and desire. And then mm. I met them afterwards at a panel. Oh, wow. And so after at the panel, I started going back and forth with them, got all their information. And then I started visiting them routinely, interviewing them because I knew I wanted to make a film about them from the jump. So I was just interviewing them at first and just getting their entire firsthand accounts. What is it about them that that um, inspires you so much? I think what's so interesting about the Panthers in New Orleans was just first off, their story is insane. Just Hmm. the fact that the police in New Orleans made their life a living hell. And so did the uh, the mayor's office at the time. It was run by Moonlandrew. Uh, They really just kind of choked them out in terms of the resources that they had mm-hmm. and how it just, they made their lives very, very difficult, but it's easy. I mean, that was happening across the country, yeah. but it was especially tenacious in new Orleans, you know, and the city at the time was operating under a de facto sort of Jim Crow. Like yeah. there were still some white only signs you could see. So there was still mm-hmm. that ample racial hostility that was still there. So to think about an organization that is so unapologetically pro black yeah. coming into an environment that is still on that Jim Crow wave mm-hmm. is such an interesting clash. The tension the, is crazy. The tension's crazy. But the thing about also is what I'm so excited about with their story is the film, this is the environment of the film, but that film is not going to be defined by black struggle. More than anything, I want to focus on the sort of familial community dynamics of that chapter mm. and how... Well, you're humanizing them. It, there we go. Yeah, like it's... It's what's so interesting to me about the Panther chapter in New Orleans also is that they were communal in really every aspect of, that you think about it. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they were sexually liberated, mm-hmm. you know, within the chapter and they were progressive on a ton of different political bounds. But in terms of their partners and and um, and and the partying, they were also really young, too. You know what I mean? They were 16, they were 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, you know. T- self-governing their community, making making not recognizing the danger that they were putting themselves in, but recognizing mm-hmm. that it was worth it because it was it was worth it was something that was worth fighting for. Yeah, I just think there's so much about the Panthers that can be said about the Panthers as an institution on a natural on a national level. That's yeah. that's exciting to talk about, but on the on the New Orleans level because it's so personal to me because I got to know them. I just I'm so interested in just in just really kind of living with them when they were teenagers and seeing seeing that sort of that vigor that they had that recklessness but that it was it was it was positive at kinetic the end of the energy. day yeah, exactly it was kinetic for mm. sure. Um, do you have an idea already in mind of what the actual story is of that, or you're still working that stuff out? Well, yeah. So I, I actually finished my first draft of that already, oh, wow. but, but now I'm in now <laughs> I'm in great, prolific. Now, now I'm in rewrites for that. Good. Um, I just, um, but the film is focusing around um, Barbara, uh, Barbara Guyton, who real uh, person, real person, yeah, um, and her experiences as she led the free breakfast program in the chapter in New Orleans, and she was 
just uh, I just I just I really want to delve into her perspective and mm. that Panther story from that female perspective, you know, because it's I think what's what's interesting about the Panthers amongst everything that they did. Members have acknowledged that there was a certain masculine energy, you know, about a lot of the dynamics within the chapter. So I just kind of want to investigate that and examine that from her perspective because she oh, was such great. a proactive member. She yeah. was. Yeah. No, you found the, the tension point, the friction to yeah, yeah, discuss yeah. all of it. Yeah, that's good. It's it's exciting. That story, I'm so hyped. It's a period piece. Yeah, you know I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be insane. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just working out with that scale of production. If 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 it goes down, that that's that's super exciting that'd be dope. and such a jump. From, yeah, from I mean, burning yeah, I mean, literally, a <laughs> which is great yeah, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, be ambitious, yeah, stay yeah, ambitious for sure. Well, cool, man. I mean, it's been an hour that that um. I appreciate your your honesty, your candor, uh, your story. Thank you so, so much. So I, Thank you know, you I I, uh, I wish you all the success. It's, it's great to hear about it. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for having me.